0: Hello and welcome to Unscripted, conversations about sexual and domestic violence, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from domestic and sexual violence services and partner organizations discussing all aspects of interpersonal violence, plus solutions and resources for support for residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Kendra Lee. On this edition of Unscripted, I'm talking with Andrea Nunes-Gardner, Crisis Response Services Team Program Manager in Domestic and Sexual Violence Services, and Irvin Hernandez-Perez, Counselor with Domestic and Sexual Violence Services Anger and Domestic Abuse Treatment Program, also known as ADAPT, about how family violence can lead to long-term trauma and how survivors can overcome a painful past. Andrea, Irvin, thanks so much for being here on Unscripted. Thank you for having us, Kendra.
1: Thank you, Kendra.
0: You're welcome. This discussion was inspired by two recent celebrity memoirs singer Britney Spears' The Woman in Me and former child actress Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. Both women experienced emotional and psychological abuse from the adults in their lives when they were children. And despite their apparent career success, they both have suffered significant long lasting trauma. Britney had a very public meltdown, if we remember. She shaved her head, she fought with paparazzi and McCurdy turned to substance misuse, suffered eating disorders, and had a series of unhealthy relationships. But the memoirs suggest that they are both moving through the healing process, although to my untrained eye, it seems like McCurdy's a little farther along in healing than Spears, but they both give us hope for the ordinary folks among us who are experiencing the same type of trauma. I'm going to add a disclaimer here. No one on this podcast today has treated Spears or McCurdy, which is using their memoirs to kickstart a conversation about family violence and generational trauma. So, Andrea, I'm going to start with you. Let's start there. What is the trauma of emotional and psychological abuse from family members look like? How does it present? What did it look like for Spears and McCurdy?
2: Yes, that's such a great question. So I think with um, Britney Spears, She had experienced a lot of witnessing of domestic violence in her house, her dad. Um, you know, she's talks on her memoir that has, uh, substance use disorder, uh, and how like him and his mom interact, how he interact with, um, her brother. Uh, but I think for Britney Spears wasn't just in the childhood, right? Because it continued in her adulthood as well. Uh, so you can see, like, how her interactions with her family impact her relationships, impact, like, how she uh, chose her partners, how she interacted with uh, the public, how she interacted with uh, her family. And with McCarty, uh, we see uh, she talks a lot about, like, the emotional abuse from her mom, right? Like, that her mom was very controlling uh from, you know, small little things about, like, you have to smile, you have to be obedient. You know, if you want to get that role, she was very focused on getting her daughter to be an actress, right? Like, so she was very controlling with her weight, even baiting her until she was 16, 17 years old, right? Like, so, and you see throughout their memoirs, they describe, like, how that has impacted them. Uh with McCarty it really struck me like when she talks about that she learned how to read her mom's face. Right? Like she would observe uh how her mom is reacting, how her mom is interacting even with others to know how to respond. So that safety for her was based on like, is my mom okay? Is mom in a good mood? Even when her brothers I think there's one of the scenes that she described in her book that her brother dropped something and she was like very quick, like, oh my gosh, we got clean. You know, mom is going to be so mad. And so even like being um, the peacemaker and trying to keep things at peace between her siblings should not upset her mom to not have that emotional reaction for
0: her. She carried this into relationships too. Would that be a normal thing that people would do where even though, That's a painful memory and it's a painful Mm -hmm. thing to have happened. They didn't know anything else. So they sought out the same kind of pain. Absolutely. In their adult relationships, because that's what they knew best.
2: Right. Like when you know how to live in chaos, you don't even know that chaos is chaos, right? You don't even know that, 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 that those dynamics are very harmful. Um, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing my own experience, right. Like that I had uh, with my partner when we first moved in together. I remember that I was doing the dishes and I broke a glass that was his from his collection. Right. And I had like, my body had like this whole reaction. I'm like, Oh my God, like, he's going to be so mad at me. You know, like I had like horrible anxiety until he got home because I was like, I'm going to have to tell him that I broke something that was important to him. And when he got home, I told him and his reaction was like, are you okay? And I was completely shocked with that question, right? I was expecting him to be upset. I was expecting him to have a reaction to it, like in a emotional and negative way. And he didn't, right? Like, And the reason for that is because in my house, in my family, growing up, making mistakes, breaking things, it wasn't met with, are you okay? It was met with, like, what is wrong with you? And a lot of screaming, spanking. And so I was used to that. And I was expecting even, like, that my partner would have that reaction. And if he were to have that reaction, I would not recognize that as, like, ooh, you know, like, he he's being abusive or he's being not so nice to me. I would be just like, this is just normal. That's just what we do in relationships. And mind you that this is a person, you know, my partner is a very calm person, never yelled at me, never had like any kind of like strong emotional reaction uh, at that point, you know. So for me to have that reaction, it was very much based on my experiences as a child. And I think that when, we think about those experiences in childhood and how it impacts us later in life. We're going to see that in intimate partnership, right? But we also going to see in, in how we interact with friends, how we interact in your job. And I think that one of the, the things that strike to me about Brittany, uh, and McCarty as well, but Brittany especially is like, you know, if I look back, I'm looking you know, this is a person that is so, so successful, right? Like, mm-hmm. she is rocking it. Like, she has a residence in Vegas. I had friends that went to do, uh, to watch her show and are like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe it. It was, like, absolutely amazing. And, you know, we are not really aware that, like, all the struggles that she was going through. I was, like, completely surprised, you know, of the experience that she was going through. Consider what it looked like on the outside, right? Or the same thing with McCarty, like she's doing art Carly, you know, like her, um, her character Sam is like very funny. It's very, you know, and she's going through all those painful emotional experiences. And, you know, we don't see that. We just see like the successful women just, you know, doing really well.
0: So they were able to basically hide their emotions what they were going through so the public had no clue maybe they were really good actresses which is maybe why (laughs) they went through the right career but this sounds like what you mentioned to me Irvin is masking of emotions that's what that's what they were doing right
1: absolutely and i think this is a, a a great segue to to recognize that unfortunately and i don't bring this necessarily as a as a as we as human that developed this coping mechanism, I think it's unfortunate that we have learned to mask our emotions and mask who like who who are we in the inside and what is happening with us. You know, Brittany, uh, as Andrea mentioned, successfully performed in this shows and in this residency in Vegas and also many other tours that she she was uh well known for and during those times we would never imagine that that the woman that is performing the amazing performer that she is, right? Uh, it's, it's broken inside. And, and sometimes, and this only, this is not just only circumscribing into a star or a superstar. I'm talking about, you know, teachers. I'm talking about nurses. I'm talking about social workers who gets up every single day. They go with their lives and they have learned for some reason, maybe because society. Or maybe because their upbringing, learn how to mask these emotions and, and mask exactly like how we're feeling inside. And you keep on wrestling and fighting with that, you know. And, and the, the amazing thing about this to um, individuals, and especially in Britney's, how she was able to completely mask that until obviously she couldn't anymore. Until she was like experiencing this acute grief that we know that she experienced with the loss of her aunt and uh, also her grandmother, but also the separation from her children. So it, it, it is incredible to, to reflect on. But at the same time, it is unfortunate. We should never feel that we need to mask how broken we are inside if we are feeling broken.
0: You mentioned grief, and and I'm glad you brought that up because, yes, she grieved. she's grieving the death of family members and grieving the the loss of having her children in her life. But what else did Brittany lose?
1: I think that the thing that kept them coming back while I was uh, reading her memoir was um, that loss of identity. Uh, she she lost herself um, by responding to uh, this. Unfortunate conservatorship that she was going through where she was dictated to, to be somebody else that she wasn't and losing herself in decisions, you know, simple as what to eat. Like she was controlled into her diet and control who she was going to interact with and the amount of, of pain that it is fostered and also collected uh within those losses of especially your identity but also the 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 friends that she had not been able to even reconnect nowadays the people that she, at some point felt probably for her a safety net uh there were people that were separated from her and also we we're talking about her her kids in in that context but i think that that uh sense of you know losing her identity it's something that even nowadays you know up to this point she's still trying to reconnect with that part of herself trying to see how can she continues to i would say like heal that um that loss because um it, it was like almost 15 years and this was ongoing and i think that this is something that uh, made me reflect a lot made me feel also like uh, fortunate to to be able to have the freedom of enjoying those things that that she didn't, and that led to feel that, you know, a part of me it's not here anymore, I lost it, I don't okay. have it, and I don't know how to get it back, and I think that is very powerful.
2: I also want to highlight that, you know, uh, I think both cases, Brittany and McCarty, uh, the fact that they are not, like, showing their pain, it wasn't just because they don't want to show their pain, it's just because they are containing that pain There was a lot of coercion and control involved on it as well, right? Like, so in Brittany's case, like the control, like her dad used her kids to keep her performing, to keep her doing what she is asked to do, right? Like even there was one circumstance that she said, I'm not going to do this show. And she was put in a mental health hospital, right? And she couldn't see her kids for three months. And so she knew that if she didn't do what she was asked to do, she is going to have like very severe consequences. And, and that isolation as well that Urban was talking about. Every time that she would connect with someone or start connecting with someone, her family or her dad would cut that. Like there was a hairdresser that she described that, you know, make a, made a suggestion or said something. And she never saw that hairdresser hairdresser again. Right. Like, so I think that isolation in the McCarty case, there was that also that assumption and what her mom has, you know, told her, like, you can only trust me. Right. Like, I know how to keep you tiny and skinny. And so you can perform in roles for a younger age. Right. Like, I know. So her entire world was like revolved around her mom and even with friends it was limited. Uh, when she was getting close to friends, uh, her mom would like, Oh, I don't think that this person is really good for you. Right. Like, so it's also, they didn't have opportunities to connect with other people that could potentially help in the situation that could potentially be someone that they can confide on and say, Hey, I'm going through all this, but they didn't have, they didn't have other choice but hide. Right. There is that, that matter of safety and emotional safety for me to be safe, I can't just tell everyone what's going on, right? Like, I have to hide. And even, like, with her social media accounts, like, for Brittany, like, they were controlled by other people. She didn't even have that experience. She lost opportunities to parent her children. She, You know, she'll never have a two-year-old again. She'll never have a five-month-old again. Right, like so, she lost those opportunities, or even the opportunity to fight for their custody. How are you going to fight for the custody of your children if you are in a conservatorship because you are not mentally fit? Right, like so, she lost all those things. She, she never have the opportunity to go back. Uh, but one of the things that I appreciate about the memoirs is that, at least the way it was written, it feels that it was also a way for both of them really show their voice, right? Control the narrative and tell, you know, like what they're going through and showing what they're going through. And I think that can be part of that healing process. Just being able to talk about, Brittany didn't want to record the mm-hmm. audiobook because she was like sad. I can't go through this again, right? It's too mm-hmm. painful for me to <laughs> read this book. Uh So there was somebody else that read her book. So you can see uh, to your point, Kendra, that she is in a different healing stage than McCarty. McCarty read her book, right? And I thought about, like, I, I, I actually listened to both of the books and it was kind of interesting to hear McCarty reading the book. And I asked myself, like, what was it like for her to be able to say those words to in how healing, but also how triggering it can be to revisit all those things and all the light bulbs that perhaps happen for her, right? Like as she is reading her book, I'm pretty sure that other things are coming up that she's like, oh, I didn't even think about like how this was abusive or how I experienced this specific event. So I think that there is a lot of losses For both of them, right? Lost the opportunity to just be a child. I think for Brittany, like she was doing, you know, performing in a very young age as well. Uh, So there is a lot of losses for them that they didn't experience. uh, Regular teenage, make the mistakes, right? The mistakes that we make in our early 20s and early 30s, that they probably lost that opportunity. Now she's 40 and uh, Brittany is 40. And when we see her posting something weird on on social media, we make those comments like, oh, my gosh, Britney doesn't help herself. Why would she post herself with knives? Right. Like she's figuring out. She's like, oh, let's see. You know, like I have this. Now she has the freedom to do whatever she wants. And sometimes she might not even know like how that's going to come
0: across. She's figuring out now what we figured out at 22 or 28.
1: I think it's fascinating, Andrea, what you were mentioning because it came uh, to me while you were describing the amount of fear that these two um, uh, celebrities endure um, in their lives to be able to meet certain uh, standards, but also consequences. And 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 I think that now, um, reflecting also in 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 how mccurdy has been able to read her memoir read her book and it's her own voice i think it's a sense of liberation it's a sense of like freedom that she is freeing herself also from from the amount of pain and the agony that that navigates when you have to revisit those those things and i think it tells yes a lot about that journey that she's going through britney spears it's in her own journey because of the particulars and the circumstances of her situation. And I think that she has also, um, freeing herself through something that humans we do often. And it is the spirituality part. She talks a lot about her relationship Mm -hmm. with God and she talks about that reconnection. And she talks a lot about the power of prayer in her life. So both of them in, 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 in probably in the same road right one has been able to through revisiting those memoirs, to probably free herself uh from that pain and also another one has been able to to find this reconnection with her own spirituality um from her childhood that has been able to help her to to navigate through this because the amount of losses that the both of them have endured it's 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 incredible and and i think it's 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 an amazing opportunity to consider the power of feeling the freedom that the three of us have in terms of going to maybe to a place and order what we want to interact with who we want to allow somebody that we want in our homes Et cetera, et cetera, without having that fear that this is going to be utilized against me. And and, and I think it's, it's incredible. I think that shackles are, you know, from, from their, from their hands and from their lives.
0: Something else that struck me in, in Brittany's book, she recognizes, not ex, not excuses or forgives. Well, maybe she forgives and I didn't get that, but she recognizes the generational trauma that her father had been abused and mistreated. And he passed that down to to Brittany and to her siblings and to, and to his grandchildren, Brittany's sons. So she recognizes, and maybe that's part of her healing that, that mm-hmm. this is something that's been going on and she needs to break the cycle, wants to break the cycle. But how does she do that? How does she, how does she break the cycle in her family?
2: Well, that is a great question. And I think that, you know, for both of them, for Brittany and for McCartney, breaking the cycle starts with talking about it, right? Like she is recognizing just what you said, Kendra, that she's recognizing uh, what happened and how she doesn't want to repeat that cycle, right? And also being able to work through those painful memories and finding ways of healing, which is going to be different for each person. Healing, there is no recipe, right? Like for McCarty, maybe reading her book, writing her memoir, going to therapy has been very helpful. She talks a lot about therapy. I don't know if therapy would be a good option for Britney, considering uh, how she has experienced therapists putting her also in harm ways, right? Mm-hmm. And contributing to that conservatorship and not really being able to noticing that she was in a very consoling and coercive and abusive way. I don't know if she would be able to benefit from therapy just coming from the place where like, can she trust a therapist? I don't know if I would trust a therapist, right? If my interactions for the past 13 years with therapists has been, You know, you have a mental health issue and you you need your dad to make decisions for you. You need to continue this conservation, right? So I think that for her, her healing journey might look a little bit different. And she might go to therapy and she might find a therapist that she can trust. But I want to highlight that, that there is different pathways to healing and there's different pathways to breaking the cycle, right? I, I shared a personal experience. And to me, having that health relationship was a break in that cycle, right? It was very much healing for me. When I made a mistake, someone asked me, but are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? I cannot tell you how healing that was for me. So I think that, you know, breaking the cycle and healing is different for each person. And it's different depending on the situation. And I also want to bring highlight also in terms of trauma as we're talking about family trauma for both Brittany and McCarty, uh, the pain of not being protected by their mothers, right? Like I think that highlights that mother daughter relationship and how painful it was for both of them that the person that was supposed to protect them did not protect them and actually caused harm. When Brittany was going through all that you know, that you described, Kendra, that she shaved her head, she's hitting paparazzi. Her mom is writing, you know, her own memoir on how hard it is to be her mom, right? Like, not like really helping her and recognizing that this girl is due to postpartum disorder, like that that she needs support, that she needs help, and they were not there to protect. And the same thing with Macquarie's mom, right? Like, she wasn't there to listen and to uh, protect her daughter to break the cycle because it's very clear that McCarty's mom had her own eating disorder, right? Like recognizing that this wasn't healthy for her and she doesn't want that for her child. So I think that is also very painful when your parents fail to do that one job that is so important, that is that protection. And that can have like a very, um a very lasting um, issue because that is one of our first attachment relationships, a relationship with our parents, right? And if that attachment relationship is not a healthy one, we're going to repeat with other relationships because we don't even know how to
0: have a healthy relationship with the people that were supposed to protect us didn't protect us. We talk a lot about healing and we talk about it from the survivor perspective mm-hmm. as if they're the only ones that have to do the work. But what, Brittany has said she doesn't want a relationship with her parents. Mm -hmm. McCurdy's mom is is, is, has died, so she can't have a relationship with her even if she wanted to. But what should parents and step-parents and these early relationships that we have, the ones that are dysfunctional and harmful, like what is their role in our healing? What should they be doing? It shouldn't all be just. I was the one impacted, so I have to do all the work. What should they be doing?
1: This is some of of the most important um parts of 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 my work, especially in the adapt program and 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 to answer your question uh Kendra, which I think is a great question, the first and most important thing is to understand what accountability is and and being accountable in this particular uh situation right it 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 takes the parent to recognize um the harm that they have caused to themselves and i am highlighting themselves first before thinking about the harm that they have caused to their children i don't think that you will be able to understand the amount of pain that you have caused if you not un- not understand the in the same process how much pain you have exposed yourself by neglecting to be that safety net for that child providing those basic needs understanding to yourself that you're you're taking away you're removing yourself from that amazing opportunity to is to be there for your kids to nurture yourself from the love that that is shared when when we interact with our kids when we are spending time with them when we are understanding where they're coming from why they're crying um Understanding the power that is to teach, but also to self-regulate, and I think that it, it involves more, many, many, many other things that probably we won't have time here to talk about. But it starts with recognizing recognizing that harm that you have caused yourself. You have prevented yourself from from I would say like connecting with your with your child and with your children. And now, in, in their own situation, probably Brittany doesn't want to have that, you know, uh, relationship. Obviously, there's a lot of trust issues here. Um, and Andrea, when you mentioned, like, probably therapy is not, it's going to be probably an uphill battle for her because of that trust that, that, that needs to be rebuilt. And the same goes, you know, probably with her relationship with her parents that are still alive versus McCurdy that um probably this is more an internal and and I, I would say like an individual journey, right? Um but I would say that recognizing that harm, it's imperative for for anybody to be able to reconnect and to rebuild that relationship. Um, then you'll have the opportunity to understand how can I just try to repair that harm. And this is one of the elements of accountability in our in our programs just to to take actions and repairing that harm and and then i think it's a it's a it could be a huge gap in that bridge um to be able for you to to go to that place where you want to be emotionally in that healing journey but it takes it takes that first step i think that that first step recognizing that harm that you have caught to your to yourself it's Incredibly important.
2: And I want to add, you know, I, I love the question and I love what you said, Kendra, about like it feels like when we're talking about the healing, it falls a lot on the survivor, right? Like the survivor is the one that needs to heal themselves, and that's the, you know, the the worst part about like having traumatic experiences that you are responsible for your own healing. Uh But mm-hmm. the, in this case, when there is family violence, if it is Something that the survivor wants, if the person who caused harm is able to go through those steps that Urban uh, was describing, that can be a way of like also contributing with the healing of each other. And I work with a lot of clients that have put boundaries with their parents, just like Brittany. Like I'm not talking with you at all, and and they say like I'm not going to have a conversation with this parent until they have resolved their own issues, right? Like their substance use disorder issue, mental health order issue, um, and have been able to recognize that they cause harm to me. I'm not going to have conversations. I'm not going to go to Christmas knowing that, you know, that this person has not recognized or that the harm continues, right? Like if we don't take the time, if there is no intervention, If we don't take that, that time to heal, that time to recognize that a harm occurred, the harm is going to continue happening, right? Like family dynamics don't change just because we grow up, right? Like the family Mm -hmm. dynamics, and I think even people say like, when I go home, I feel like I'm that little child again. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't want to go home because of that, right? But it's because if there is no uh, growth from the family members, We're just going to continue repeating those same dynamics over and over and over. And those dynamics could be abusive. And so how can I heal if the abuse continue happening? And so that I think it's important that we can't really expect to heal if we continue in that, in that abusive relationship, whether it's with a partner or with a parent or with another family member that is really important to us.
0: So. This all takes time, right? We live in a microwave, fast-paced world. Everybody wants a quick, easy fix. Technology only adds to that need for speed. But why doesn't that work when we're talking about feelings and emotions?
1: Because when you're in the process of healing, you have to understand that it might not be a linear process. Mm. It's not just a, a straight way to you know or a route that you just take and when you get to your destination you feel like ah, I'm just healed mm-hmm. or I feel that I'm healed it is not like that i i will comment on my experience and um recently i've revisited uh my uh, my hometown my home my house that i was raised for 30 something years and i every single time that i used to go there my my dad after my mom's passing my dad keeps certain areas in the home as a museum to honor her, her memory and amazing things that reminds us who um, our mom was. So for me, every single time that I was entering that, that door, I always had like this 10 seconds of tension myself, right? And the reason why I was feeling a little bit tense is because I knew that I was going to see these pictures. And sometimes these are triggers and they can be reminders, right? But this time was a little bit different. This time, 13 years after her passing, when I opened that door and I was able to see the pictures and remember those days, there was a smile that was, you know, coming to my face and there was a sense of joy because I was remembering those days. The reason why I bring this is because Um healing is not linear. It took me maybe 13 years to get to that point where Mm -hmm. I can enter my home, my house, and look at those pictures and not feel negatively triggered or feel like I'm ambushed or feel that I'm just like have to work on my body to absorb that threat. No, this time was different. So people say time heals. I think that there's also a lot of things that 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 we can try, we can do, right? To to reach to that place, because in my experience, working as a grief counselor specialist and also working in adapt, everybody wants to end their own pain, mm-hmm. and and that is the end goal. You can identify that at the beginning, in the middle, or at the end, but everybody wants to reach to that point, and I think. Utilizing that visual of that bridge, I I think that during that process we need to understand that sometimes we just have to probably like take a step back, take a pause before we continue this journey. And going back again to what Andrea mentioned of, of Brittany, I think that maybe Brittany's taking a pause at times to continue going through that path, and McCurdy probably feels that this is you know a good time to continue walking and not taking any any pauses because she has already taken the advantage to do that. So I think it's, um, this is, this is something that we cannot necessarily teach. Right. And, and, and sometimes we think that technology will allow us to help, or at least have been telling us that we can, you know, fix things quickly, the way that you mentioned, uh, Kendra, but these are things that we cannot rush. These are things, these are processes that we cannot push. And requires a lot of vulnerability, requires openness, and requires the will to, to fix that, right? We don't go to the doctor to ask the doctor, what do I have? Like we go to the doctor when we are experiencing something that we want them to help us with. So I think that that is, uh, at least something that has made me reflect on on that journey. I
2: want to add that when it comes to trauma, Um, I, as a trauma specialist, I do work with a lot of clients that had traumatic experience. And when you start the treatment, I tell them, you know, like trauma is not linear, right? The healing of trauma is not linear. And also we're going to get to a place where you're going to feel healed and you're going to say, I'm going to put a pretty bowl and say, I'm done. I'm healed with this trauma. But the truth is, even when we are healed with that trauma, there are other life experiences that will come after that. After you're completely healed and you're like, I'm done with therapy. I graduated. I don't want to see your face anymore, right? Uh, and there is some life experience that happened that kind of like reopen that wound again. And you mm-hmm. have to go back to, you know, to uh, just do a, like a little checkup and do like a tune up. And I had that experience with having a child, right? Like I had some traumas from my childhood. I went to therapy. I did all that healing. And then I had a child and some of like those wounds reopened just with that experience, which was a beautiful experience of having a child. But I started thinking again about like, oh my gosh, like what you're talking about, Kendra. I don't wanna repeat the cycle. I don't wanna do, you know, to my daughter what was done to me. So how do I you know, change this. And I had to go back to therapy because I started experiencing my body again, those feelings that I had with the traumatic experience that I had killed in my head, right? Like I'm done with this. But I think that it's important also to um, have that in mind that, you know, it's not like something that you do once and it's done. You're probably going to need to do like some tune-ups. You're probably going to need to have other interventions,
0: other conversations uh, to heal. Irvin, you work in ADAPT. Give me the ADAPT contact information if I need that help.
1: Yes. So um, our main line number, as I'm going to share with all of you, it is the 703-968-4052. That's the main line um, of our program. And um, it is a program that um, for many years in the county has been Serving the community, those who has caused harm, and we feel very proud also to uh, to be that that part of that bridge, right? Um, and I feel that this is not a, only a program that obviously just as a as an de- educational <laughs> uh, part that you have to be court order or any any of that, you can voluntarily like um, enroll in this program. And um, so I just wanted to say that because sometimes individuals think that you know, they they have to come through, adapt through this, you know, uh, process, which is like probably a court order or something or a new referral, you can self-refer and we're going to be here.
2: And also, I just want to highlight, I love adapt. And I want to highlight that if you're listening to this episode and you might, you know, think, well, I might have caused harm to a loved one. I'm not 100% sure. You're still welcome to call co- adapt. We have orientation sessions where we talk like very detailed about what the program does. What are some of the things that you can, um, accomplish participating in the program? And I think that a big component of adapt is that healing component, right? Like, because as Ervin was saying, we can't really heal and have accountability unless we have done that process ourselves. So. Uh, anyone that has questions about ADAPT is welcome to call and participate in our orientation. Not only the people who cause harm, but if you are someone, you know, do you want to know more information because you think that you know someone you know might benefit and you want to understand better what ADAPT is, you can also call. Okay.
0: That'll do it for this edition of Unscripted Conversations About Sexual and Domestic Violence. Thanks for listening. And thanks so much to Andrea and Irvin for joining us. If you or someone you know has experienced interpersonal violence, call the Domestic and Sexual Violence 24-Hour Hotline at 703-360-7273. That's 703-360-7273. Or visit fairfaxcounty.gov and search for Domestic and Sexual Violence. To listen to other county podcasts, visit www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcasts. Unscripted Conversations About Sexual and Domestic Violence is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government.